0: This is The Ark of Change with Donzel Leggett, a podcast from the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition, an organization dedicated to eradicating racism and hate and spreading anti-racism. Listen as Donzel talks about the relevant topics that will inspire you and help build your capability to take action and change the world. Because none of us are doing enough as long as racism still exists. And now, here's your host, Donzel Leggett. Hello and welcome to the eighth
1: episode of season three of the Arc of Change with Donzel Leggett. In this milestone 30th episode, I record live for the first time on site at the Minnesota State Fair at the first ever Cultural Destinations booth and interview booth creator Dr. Bruce Corey, as well as special guest St. Paul cultural entrepreneur Kemet Emotep and longtime ARC members Jo Nell Leggett and Annie Bowie to hear their collective views on the importance of the role of cultural destinations and ARC in combating racism and exclusion. Now let's get started with our show. So I am Donzel Leggett, host of the ARC of Change podcast and founder of the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition, or ARC. Our vision at ARC is to build a racism-free world, and our mission is to provide inspiration, education, and support for you to transform, practice, and spread anti-racism. This begins with our three-step process of personal transformation to anti-racism. The first step is erasing your ignorance about racism and hate. The second step is educating yourself about anti-racism. And the third step is building the character and confidence to stand up, speak out, and take action to spread anti-racism and anti-hate and make positive change happen. Now, we started the Arc of Change podcast exactly three years ago. And over our first three seasons, we've published 29 episodes. All episodes are ones that we're all very, very proud of. All of these episodes have focused on furthering our vision and our mission. And all of these episodes have had exciting content and tremendous guests. Each episode has built on the last and attempted to bring new and unique perspectives on furthering our quest to build a racism-free world. But in this episode, our 30th all-time, we are truly bringing you something differential. Our very first episode recorded live on location with a legend in the push for creating economic equality for those historically discriminated against and economically excluded and left behind in the state of Minnesota, Dr. Bruce Corey. At ARC, we espouse the critical importance to stand up, speak out, and take action to create positive change. One of our mottos is for our members to act with courage to create change. Dr. Bruce Corey is a perfect example of what ARC espouses and what we're all about. Dr. Bruce Corey has been a faculty member at Concordia University for over 34 years. He's currently the Associate Vice President of Government Relations and Community Relations, as well as international students. Over the past three decades, Dr. Corey has integrated his various roles as economist, cultural entrepreneur, professor, and administrator to change the narrative of immigrants and minorities from deficits to assets and to champion efforts around economic, political, and academic inclusion. As director of the Department of Planning and Economic Development in the capital city of St. Paul for Minnesota, he continued his work on minority business development and implemented a strategy of economic inclusion that resulted in positive outcomes and deeper institutional change. As an economist, his research on the economic contributions of immigrants and minorities provided facts to document their powerful economic role in their communities. His work has been covered in a wide range of local, ethnic national and international media and academic publications, including co-editor for books and some columns that he's written for the St. Paul pioneer press and Minnesota business magazine for almost two decades. He has worked with a multi-ethnic nonpartisan coalition one MN.org forward slash Alana, which worked on economic uh, inclusion and political inclusion and played a critical role in the last two redistricting processes in Minnesota. Dr. Corey also has an extensive global perspective, which derives from his travel to 28 countries over six continents, including accrediting and developing academic programs in Mongolia, China, Hong Kong, India, and Mexico. His work in economic, political, and academic empowerment can be found at the website www.empoweringstrategies.org. Dr. Corey is the 2021 recipient of the Minnesota Immigrant Spirit Award at the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Summit. And he's bringing to life cultural destinations as an economic enabler to equity by creating for the first time a booth at the Minnesota State Fair dedicated to creating unprecedented awareness to small business and business owners from what he calls the Alana community. That's African, Latino, Asian, and Native American. Now, interviewing Dr. Corey is differential enough. But what makes this episode even more special is that it also, as I mentioned, is our very first episode recorded live on location. And not just any location, but the world-famous Minnesota State Fair, better known as the Great Minnesota Get-Together. Which, by the way, is the largest fair in the United States by average daily attendance. Nearly 170,000 people on average visit this fair per day. It's the second largest fair in the United States by total attendance with nearly 2 million people attending over the two-week period that the fair runs. By the way, the number one fair in total attendance actually runs for a month. That's twice as long as the Minnesota State Fair. And in terms of economic impact, the fair generated over $65 million in revenue and almost $10 million in profits in last year's fair in 2022. If there is a venue in Minnesota to best introduce to the largest audience possible cultural destinations, there is no question it is the Minnesota State Fair. Again, interviewing Dr. Corey is incredible. And recording live at the Cultural Destinations booth at the Minnesota State Fair is unquestionably really special. It's kind of like the cake. But there's an extra special treat. In other words, the icing on the cake. And that is that I will also interview St. Paul cultural entrepreneur and freelance author and artist, Kemet Imhotep. A lifelong St. Paul resident who shares his perspective on cultural destinations and art but also brings to life the devastating historical impact of redlining in Minnesota as he tells the story of the Rondo neighborhood and the negative impact to the neighborhood and its people that continues to this day from the government's decision to route I-94 directly through the center of the neighborhood, a segregation and redlining strategy that has tragically repeated itself across many large cities in the United States. And finally, we will hear from longtime ARC members Jonelle Leggett and Annie Bowie to hear their views on the importance of the role of cultural destinations and ARC in combating racism and exclusion. We go live at the Cultural Destinations booth in the Education Building at the Great Minnesota Get-Together with Dr. Bruce Corey, Kemet Imhotep, and Jonelle Leggett and Annie Bowie next on the ARC of Change with Donzel Leggett.
0: The ARC of Change podcast is brought to you by the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition. Visit us at joinarcc.org to learn more about ARC and join our movement.
1: Welcome back to the ARC of Change. And as I mentioned earlier, we have something very, very very special for you on this episode our 30th episode by the way 30 when we started the arc of change podcast three years ago i did not have a clue in my mind that we'd be doing 30 episodes but we got 30 in and we we're looking for 30 more at least um as i said we have something special for you today we're recording at the great minnesota get together otherwise known as the minnesota state fair and we're in the education building, and we're at, again, something very special, the very first Cultural Destinations booth. I want to thank uh, some of our ARC members and volunteers that are here. Um, We have a few that are not here. One in particular is ARC board member Adrian Lynn Casimir, who's the owner of Candy Girls Key West, whose business actually was just profiled here at the Cultural Destinations booth. To find Candy Girls products, visit culturaldestinations.org or candygirlskeywest.com. I want to thank our ARC members and volunteers that are here, most notably my wife Tracy, who's here, and my good friend Tommy Fung, who's also an ARC board member that's here. As you notice, they'll be walking around the fair with their ARC gear on, with ARCC represented prominently on the front, But we also have a few that are wearing a shirt to recognize our volunteers with one of our mottos of what we're all about at ARC. And that motto is, act with courage to create change. As I said, we're at this incredible cultural destinations booth. The energy here is awesome. The positivity is inspiring. And... I am here with the man who came up with this idea of cultural destinations and brought it to life. Someone who personifies acting with courage to create change,
2: my good friend, Dr. Bruce Corey. Dr. Bruce, how are you doing today? Oh, doing well, and and thank you for including the ARC podcast here at the Cultural Destination booth. It's just making our day because what you're doing is you're making this space come alive, and what we are going to talk about is what is being played out practically in the 50-plus cultural businesses like Candy Girls, Key West, that is reflected in this book. So thank you, too. Oh, man, fantastic. And as I mentioned, you're helping bring
1: to life something we've never done, which is recording a podcast live on-site. Uh, so Normally, I have the ability to make edits and stop and start. Uh, we're going to have to go with how it goes, Dr. Yeah, Bruce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got to be prepared for that. So, uh, Dr. Bruce, you have a very unique story. So I know a little bit about it, but most of our audience doesn't. Why don't you start off by just
2: telling the audience a little bit about yourself and about your story? Uh, I came to the U.S. in uh, 1987 to do my doctorate in economics at the university and that's where I get my Irish accent <laughs> <laughs> so I I studied economic development, got this job here at Concordia University as a professor of economics and I've been involved uh, in that for the last 34 plus years so parallel to my full time job as a professor of economics I also have a community uh focus, documenting the economic contributions of the African, Latino, Asian and Native American communities. Mm-hmm. Which uh, you, I know you call Alana. 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 Yes, African. And so, as you mentioned to people in the booth, it's a $1.4 trillion economy, which is also reflecting the lifetime earnings of people uh, and the value of their income, their housing, their businesses, There's a massive engine of economic growth and what you see in the booth is just representation of that energy in various ways how these different businesses and people like yourself, like us, make Minnesota more alive and and make it also a global destination. Man, that's great. That's great.
1: And you know what? You've been doing this type of work for a long time. We have your good friend Kemet Imotep is here and he's yeah. telling me the impact that you have made in this community forever. But I, I know that this 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 uh, this deep this deep feeling inside you of wanting to do something good for others comes from your parents. Can you
2: tell us a little bit about your parents and, and how they instilled this in you? Yes, uh, the roots in community is always there, and my father was an architect uh, in the He was initially with the military as a civilian architect, and then he was doing so many buildings free for people, like a lot of church hospitals and colleges and university, I mean building. Then he decided to go out on his own and start his own firm and continue to do this work. And so he was very active in in that community space. My mother was a teacher. Uh, and she also instilled in us the value of education, and and both both of them. Our house was always a place where uh, all kinds of people could find a space, and and uh, we traveled to many parts of India at that time. And so the travel bug was instilled in us as we moved from one. And you know, India is a very big country, uh, and every. Christmas time, going home from one end to the other via trains and planes and bus. Uh, We got the travel bug, so when I, we take our kids back to India, we now go by plane to many countries, and so they've seen many countries in the world. So they uh, had that strong value and strong faith, too, that is what brought us and made me who I am and one of the most beautiful buildings that he designed was a chapel in India. Uh, it was a very interesting concept at that time. The pastor was an American priest from Wisconsin. He was an architect from India and he, the, the stained glass windows came from Wisconsin. And so you had a Indo-American chapel in this place called Kerala. Wow. It's one of the most beautiful places. Wow. Wow. All right, I want to recognize a couple of more of our
1: ARC volunteers and members just came up. Uh, Annie Bowie, who was one of our founding members, who ran some of our social media platforms for a long time, started our TikTok platforms. We love that. And Jonelle Leggett. Jonelle ran our Twitter campaign, and now she's in the process of transferring it to Thread. So, Thank you for being here. We're recording live. Now, Dr. Bruce, you, you started telling us a little bit about the economic impact of the Alana community and, uh, and why you think that's so important. You mentioned the one point, but one of the things I've heard you say that's different than anything I've heard before is the way you define racism. And I want to get this right. So I'm going to read it. You said the key strategy in racism and xenophobia is to deny a person's value And in so doing so, it becomes easier to exploit and oppress them. Tell
2: us about this definition, how it's impacted your work. So, it's very obvious that if you want to dehumanize somebody so that you can control them more, you deny that they're a human being. So all across culture, whether it's the art museum, or whether it's an interaction with somebody else, you don't give value to that person and because of that that person becomes a commodity a thing and that is foundational to racism and oppression anywhere in the world so what this strategy of cultural destination does it flips that on its head where culture is the source of wealth building and so this cultural wealth building by these entrepreneurs is a very dynamic thing because it not only brings the people alive because they are celebrating their culture in their business, whether it's a restaurant or whether it's their fashion. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they're offering that cultural experience to the rest of the world to enjoy. So it's a win-win situation and it builds wealth for the people uh, across. So. We, it was a very—it's a very powerful tool, a uh, 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 strategy of economic development, and it's been implemented in concepts like Little Africa and Little Mekong. And a little bit of the history there in Saint Paul. Uh, uh, we know we have Kemet here, who is a tri- from the Rondo community. When I ninety-four came through the freeway, they put it right through the African American community broke up a very thriving middle class economic community and so we didn't want that to happen when light rail came to st paul so a group of us got together and we started talking about it and from that emerged this concept of the world cultural heritage district you come to st paul you get the benefits of the world and so that is where cultural destinations originated. Wow. Two people took it and went running. Uh, Vamain uh, launched Little Mekong, where you can come and experience Bangkok in a night market. Wow. The other person is Jean Gelgalou, who launched Little Africa. Okay. At the same time, Naita Presley and others were working on building Rondo Historic and Community District. So... Over the years, I've been working uh, with these groups, but also with individual entrepreneurs, uh, who are cultural entrepreneurs, I call them, and I call myself, yep, yep. because that's who we are. Yep. That's, that's fantastic. And one of the other things I've noticed
1: is there's a lot of debate about what you call people who are of color here in the United States. There's some people that use the word people of color. There's others that have used BIPOC. There's others who have used uh, the words or those in historically um, discriminated communities, things like that, but you have a term called Alana that you referenced earlier. Tell us about this term and why
2: you think it's important. So I like to talk about who I am with, so people are clear. So the people I'm talking about are African, Latinos, African, that includes African-American, African immigrant. Mm-hmm. Latinos, Asian, Native Americans. So, Alana, African, Latino, Asian, Native American. Interestingly enough, too, uh, African American and Native American, we get the word American at the end, that tied to the Native American people that gives all of us meaning. So, yes, yes. Uh, but also, I don't like to be called a person of color because color is foundational to racism. Yeah. I don't yes. like to be called yes. BIPOC because I don't know what it is, right? Right. So right. I just want to talk about the people and the research I'm doing so everyone's clear. Here's my focus. This is what I'm doing. Yes. I'm I love it. I love it.
1: You mentioned 1.4 trillion earlier. I would imagine that number is something that gets people's attention. But there may be some out there trying to figure out where did this come from? Now, you put in a lot of time. You're, you're an academic in your life's work in, in figuring this this economic impact out. Try to explain to our audience in layman's terms how you can calculate $1.4 trillion of
2: economic impact from Alana just in Minnesota alone. How is that possible? So let's take it take like typically if you earn a college degree, a lifetime you might earn about three million dollars. Okay. Right? So there are some economic projections about depending upon your level of education what kind of earnings can you uh, that you will attain and tied to that would be what kind of taxes would you pay mm-hmm. so Minnesota says on average every Minnesotan regardless of income plays about on average 12% in taxes not my number is Minnesota's number so if I multiply x number of people with a college degree x number of people with a high school degree over their lifetime earnings that's what is the pool of talent just a small estimate of the pool of talent that the alana communities give to minnesota wow so most of that is lifetime earnings when i look about income so i just take the population of alana people multiplied it by their income again from the census not my numbers. Yep. Even that's a sizable number, it could be in the billions. And then I take the value of their business, again estimated by the government, what is the value of their sales. I look at the census, they have the number of homes and the value of the home. So now I have an estimate of real estate. And now you know that those people pay taxes in real estate. Mm-hmm. So these are all very simple numbers that a high school student can generate But it's been hidden under the shadows of the history of undervaluing people. And so my research, I've come to a very interesting conclusion that the people who most value my research are the people who I write about. Because for the first time, they see an academic in a mainstream institution documenting the value Mm -hmm. that they're giving. The general public, they don't get it. They're unable to see why that number is important because it's not their lived experience. And so there's some amount of not acceptance from from the general public, including elite policy people, uh, people with the ability to have their own research departments, whether it's corporation or government, that they could get the best scientists or researchers to come up with a number. They've not done it. So till they have done, do their work, my number stands. If you have a better number, it's not going to be one. It's not going to be a million. It's not going to be a hundred million. It's going to be in the billion. Yeah. So there it, there it is. I like it. I, I think it, uh, it, it certainly gets your
1: attention. And if you're in Minnesota, if you've lived here a while, you know that, in Minnesota, we also have some of the largest disparities of any state in the country when it comes to earning college education, graduating high school, wealth generation. Um, I'm guessing the opportunity on top of that 1.4 trillion probably is three times that number. Wow, yeah. If the if the opportunities were equitable as they should be. So I love how it gets the attention of what's being driven, which I think you mentioned in one of your, your books or something. $1.4 is larger than the economy of Mexico, yeah, I think yeah. I heard you say. GDP
2: of Mexico. Now, here is the example. In this booth, we have uh, businesses. Every one of them want to be in the state fair to be able to sell. Yes. But they don't quite know how to get it. Right? That's right. So look at the lines <laughs> that are out there. Right. You could easily have 100 more businesses, and still you have lines. So there's a capacity to... So, so this is a proof of concept that it can be done. We have 50 of the most diverse businesses here. Yes. That you'll never see in Minnesota assembled because you have Karen and all the different communities. Yep. But it also a message to Minnesota is that open the doors. And when you open the doors, you'll find, look at these beautiful products out here. Yes. Right? And how you can make Minnesota uh, better. And an indication of that is how many people put their name in there to win a gift card? Right. So they're seeing value in what we are offering here. Yes. And I think that is the opportunity. Yeah, and
1: I, I love how you brought it back to this is this is a, a game in which everyone can win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's 300 food vendors here, as an example. Um, yet when you walk around, you know, there's lines 50 people deep. So if there were more food opportunities, and many of the items you're, you're highlighting here are not available here. So it's not like someone's going to lose. There's yeah. $65 million in revenue that was made here in 2022. It's it's not like
2: there's there's not money to be made. Now, I'll give you an example. Uh, Nigerian, is there a market for it? I guarantee you they have a booth here. It will be sold out every day. Exactly. Right? Yes. People will want to come and... And the people who are coming here, we had here Filipino food displayed here yesterday. And people would be looking and they'll come and see what is that, they saw this barbecue strip there. Yeah. So I asked one lady, so what is it that attracted you to that? He said, you know, everything I wanted was in that plate. There was noodles, there was barbecue, and the <laughs> owner got the idea of that, maybe next time we should be selling that, right? <laughs> so I think, I'm grateful to the State Fair for providing me this opportunity to be here and to have all these businesses in. I think they, they see the energy, they see the potential, and they're very supportive of it. And I, the people who have been walking in here now three days, uh, I would say easily 400 people have come by into the booth. People passing by, they see this cultural destination, something is registering in their mind yes they see that sign that says be open open patient engaging nurturing if you want to engage here's a formula so open an acronym o for open p for patient e for engaging and for nurturing and you see that's the nature of what happens in cultural interchange we have to be patient with each other someone doesn't pronounce our name right okay it's not the end of the world yeah right if you're not hearing the other person okay be patient then we have to encourage each other because that encouragement is also part of the process and then nurture that once the fire is lit keep it alive and so stay open minnesota hey, uh, man. and the us <laughs> that's awesome i was going to ask
1: you if there, if there if you had one specific outcome you wanted from this booth being here,
2: this first-ever booth? It sounds like you might have answered that question. And I I think what has happened here is what I thought would happen. So it was good to see it emerge. I had a young Nigerian uh, uh, designer doing a live-streaming here. Oh, wow. And as she was live-streaming about her product, Someone picked a gift card that was in her name, and she was so excited about wow. it. Wow! There were people who were showing their food here. There were people who were walking in and asking us the question, really, it's so nice to have this resource. Yeah. So I think the theme of this booth is to enjoy culture, and I think it's been realized. We have a great artist, Jimmy Longoria, who's going to paint a mural with engagement of the state fair people on the general theme of celebrating culture so i think it's been a lot of work but i think it's something what we would call you're a good marketing man the yep. proof of concept group of concept is established now it's just how different people will take it and boom wow excellent yeah. any one final message for our listeners well i appreciate what arc is doing of helping us understand what we see in action here. That we have to make steps for change. We have to be courageous when we act. And sometimes not even courageous, just being human Mm -hmm. and reaching out. And that's what we are trying here at the human level, engaging with people. And, And maybe in that interaction, we see each other a commonality. Yes, and yes. So we are also featuring spiritual destinations. Uh, we are featuring a Carmel Masjid, a Buddhist temple, a Hindu mandir, a Catholic church, but not the institutional. It's the faith elements indeed. these yes. Because yes. ultimately it's that faith element that's going to bring the answer fantastic my friend
1: what you're doing here is incredible the cultural destinations booth like i said earlier tremendous energy lots of positivity and just an awesome feeling man and i love open patient engaging and nurturing keep acting with uh, with courage to create change and um, i know this is going to be a wonderful proof of concept and we're going to see changes at the minnesota state fair we're going to see more and more of our Alana business partners
2: with their own booths here in the future, I believe. I think we can easily take on this whole wing here <laughs> <laughs> next time <laughs> and do all kinds of things because I think the people, we were fortunate that uh, Lieutenant Governor came here, and we have a saying: celebrate cultural destination. Omar, Congresswoman Ilan Omar, come here yes, and yep. so I hope our leaders see it and excellent uh, and it. But thanks for it. All have right. Thank you Dr. Bruce. Appreciate it. Thanks for everything you're doing. Thank you.
0: Visit us at joinarcc.org. Follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And like us on Facebook.
1: Okay, we're now back on the arc of change. We're still at the Minnesota State Fair, the Great Minnesota Get-Together. We're still in the wonderful Cultural Destinations booth. We had a great interview with Dr. Bruce Corey, and now we're with uh, one of the folks that he mentioned that's been making a difference in the St. Paul community for a long time, historic neighborhood of Rondo, Mr. Kemet Imhotep. Kemet, how are you doing today? Doing good, thank you. Awesome, my friend, awesome. I that was,
3: was an of- awesome in- introduction. I don't even know what to do after that one. Yeah, say it again? I was an awesome
1: introduction, so I don't even know what to do after <laughs> that one.
3: <week.
4: laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, man, you have known Dr. Bruce for a long time, but he said so many great things about you and the impact that you've had in Rondo. How about just telling people a little bit about yourself and about the Rondo neighborhood?
3: Um, you know, first of all, I'm very thankful for the professor and Miss Emma. They have been... I, I have been sent angels, so I'm very thankful to be here. Um, um, I was born and raised in St. Paul, on the central St. Albans uh, area. Uh, Dale Street on 94, which I found out later was the borderline for uh, Oatmeal Hill and Cornbread Valley. Hmm. Cornbread Valley and the Rondo community was where it was kinda a little rugged
1: Yeah, lower income.
3: Oatmeal Hill was a little bit more, you know, a little bit more polished.
1: Was it it only split by income or was it also racial line as well at that time?
3: I would say both. Okay. I would say both. And as I do the more research and see everything, how it went on, it was just kind of unnecessary but it was still split yeah so those that was down in cornbread valley cornmeal valley would come up to oatmeal hill oatmeal hill would come you with me so yeah so they they wanted to be together and they we were across the line we were together yeah but it was still the little bowl. yeah yeah okay so yeah i grew up in the community grew up uh drill team since i was 12 with the Elks highlighters, Bugacore. Wow. That saved my life and it was a beautiful experience. The powder milk, the poverty, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You oh know what I mean? It was, still a, it was still a blessing to see what we had. Yeah.
1: yeah. And when you say saved your life, tell us a little bit about that.
3: Um, You know, because at that time in the 80s, in the early 80s, late 70s, there wasn't really no male figures in the homes where I was at. Um, everything was ruled by women yeah you know yeah and we all as we got like 11 and 12 we all had choices and the drill team kept me from allowing me an avenue to let some things out get to find myself in quite with my artistic side of myself so it literally saved me. If I didn't have the elks and the music and the drums, I don't know what might have would have took place. You know? Oh man. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Definitely. A lot of people read about things like redlining. You know, where the government colluded with the federal government, state governments, local governments, and mm-hmm. even some civic organizations, mm-hmm. real estate agents, banks. Mm -hmm. to redline black people and other people of color Mm -hmm. into certain neighborhoods Mm -hmm. away from white people. Mm -hmm. And it's just now starting to be found out how extensive this was. Mm -hmm. And Minneapolis and St. Paul were just like the rest of the country. And we're just still finding some of these covenants. But one of the ones that's always mentioned is the creation of the highway, and I think it was 35W, directly through the Rondo neighborhood. Uh, 94. How that, it was 94. Yes, okay. Sir. 94. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Directly through the Rondo neighborhood yes, and how sir. that destroyed the neighborhood. Yes, sir. Tell us about that. I know it happened before you were born, but you, you came up yep. and saw the, the, the ramifications. Mm-hmm. Tell and us
3: I, about that. I interview a lot of the elders who were there. Okay. And that's what I do in my community. I'm a writer through the St. Paul Almanac with Miss Kim uh, Nightingale brought me in the almanac many years ago about five six years ago so i, I love to tell stories okay uh by the way yeah, how can people find your writings at the saint paul almanac? Um, how can they do that yeah, they can going to the saint paul almanac uh, dot, com, dot, org, dot org. Yeah, saint paul almanac. Yeah, dot org. i've been published by the minnesota historical society uh the professor hooked me up with the uh saint thomas college law journal yeah I think yeah it is, okay great that last edition Professor got me in on there. I talked about the dark economics. Wow. Um, But the Rondo piece is so deep because it starts from the very beginning. me? Yes. From them doing what they did mentally to the people that own the homes, to forcing everybody out, to the elders telling me when they were like 9 and 10 seeing they had to leave, and some had to get, you know, rushed out. All of that from the bulldozers digging up the, you know, digging the holes, and then it. So you, you talked to the actual people who yeah, experienced it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. forcibly their, removed from their homes. They used to see the bulldozers. They used to play down in the, where it was building the freeway. They used to play down there because it, oh, it was open for a while. Oh man! But they just dug it up and left the little, you know, the yeah. trench. Yeah. It was a beautiful and a deep, deep, deep impact honest that i feel and that my children feel we would never got it back i don't even know if we will ever get it back yeah. the sense of community what we had you know the hairdressers our stores i mean i don't think we'll ever get that that back we'll always just be the consumer you know so yeah. it had a really deep mental and spiritual and subliminal impact that we don't even understand but it it did so
1: yeah i think it's important for people to hear these stories yeah because again this is not just in st paul happened in miami there's many cities
3: big cities around absolutely and we all have the same same story but different states
1: Yes.
4: yes that's
1: right and it's a direct link as to why so many of us are trapped in poverty. Yeah. Why there are no businesses in mm-hmm. our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. All this stuff is directly linked. Yeah. But you've been, like you said, you've been trying to write about this, and capture yeah. it, yeah. and uplift the neighborhood. What are yeah. some of the things you're doing now? Um,
3: I am still writing. I'm a maintenance technician. I supervise uh, about four buildings right yeah. now. But I still constantly write. I write, I interview people, I'll see them on the, gas station attendants yes I love talking to them because you know it's low pay yeah but they do so much and mm. they're great homeless shelters you know I've been a working homeless for over 30 years that's when you work working and still can't get wow. what you want Man, yes. I was just blessed to give me an apartment this year guys uh with the elbow professor and Miss Emma and I was able to, you know, give me a place. I got me a nice place with the the amenities and underground parking. Yes. Um, So yeah, it's been a beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful journey, the whole process of it, you know, definitely.
1: And you you were profiled here in Cultural Destinations booth. Yes. uh, Today. Yes. And so I'm guessing this was your creative, your your historical storytelling business? Um,
3: Yeah, the professor asked me to come up here I didn't really know where I was going to fit in, but when I got in, I really got to see what he was doing. Last year, he tried to pull me in. I was working, but being able to tell these stories. Yeah. The stories are very important right now, man, because everybody's going through so much. We the stories are very critical and they bring healing. They bring guidance. Um, like I was saying, I go to the gas stations and talk to those wonderful people and get their great stories that people don't even look at them It's be like, hey, give me 25 on, give me 50 on pump. They don't never hear the regular people's stories. Story. And that's what I go for. Yeah, I get those underground stories that people overlook, you yes. know, so I call it the alleys of the rondo community the alleys of the rondo community yes that's where i'm at yeah you know everybody get the regular store but i get that person that, yes. uh like willie do know yes i know him well yeah been seen him so little every time i see him he gives me guidance love instructions you know breath might be stinking musty and stinking but he's still a good person yes those are the stories i go for you know to yeah. tell that and bring that and type that up put that out
1: because no one would ever hear that story or
3: see it no that's the you power yes them people that's real educated they don't really look at me my community that's educated and got four or five degrees that got good they don't look at me they look at oh man there we go He just but those ones on the street that stink that smells people look over those are ones that give me love those are yeah. ones that give me that information that I need to go to the next level so that's my I think that's my gift all right to do that yeah yeah so I'm I'm excited about that
1: well yeah. I can tell you this man yeah. the first time I met you yeah. it had to be maybe about a year and a half ago yes sir, yes, sir. and um, you got my attention. Yes, sir. So I just want to make sure you know you got yeah, what yeah. got my attention, first of all, was uh, no fakeness whatsoever. Yes, sir. You you you're very real. I mean, just when the first time anyone sees you, they mm-hmm. said, Oh that guy's real. Yes, sir. And then when I heard you you introduce yourself, you said I'm Kemet Imhotep. that told me this is a man who knows his history. Yes, sir. It's to be named Imhotep. Yes, and I didn't want I didn't want to go into how you came up with the name Kemet yes, Imhotep, sir. but that told me right away, okay. This is a guy who's proud of who he is. Yes, sir. You don't like it too bad, but he's going to tell you the truth. Yes, sir. So I just want to make sure that you know from me, man, there are people that listen to you.
3: Appreciate it.
1: And want to hear those stories. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So thank thank you, you, man. I want to have you back on our podcast again. Hey, this is honor, man.
3: I really appreciate this. I wasn't expecting it at all, but um, you had a beautiful impact on me to do what you're doing um, with both organizations and Twin City Rise and i'm just honored you know to listen to learn from you. so thank you very much
1: thank you and by Appreciate the way it. thank you for recognizing dr bruce and miss emma oh man because they just do a tremendous job there are of impacting
3: angels, so many man. people. people don't even know they're just my goodness man. yes thank you
1: dr bruce corey dr emma corey thank you both uh yes. for
3: many of us yes yes, yes. i one
1: yes. to make sure yeah and recognize Please.
3: thank you absolutely <laughs> so thanks
1: enjoy the rest of the yes, state thank fair, you man. Honor. Thanks for taking time with us. Pleasure. Thank you so
0: you much. much. Visit us at joinarc.org to learn more about ARC. Donate to our cause and join the movement that will change the world.
1: All right, we're back here on the Ark of Change again on this very special episode, the very first one that we've ever recorded live. On site, we're at the Minnesota State Fair, the great Minnesota get-together, and we're at the very first cultural destinations booth here in the Education Building. Had two great interviews already, one with Dr. Bruce Corey, and one with Kim and Emotep, and now we're with two of our very special ARC members and volunteers, Miss Annie Bowie and Miss Joanelle Leggett. How are you both doing today?
5: Good. Doing great. Doing great, yeah. Having a good time.
1: Excellent, excellent. Well, let's start off. I know you guys have been friends for a long time. I know you both really well, but, Jonelle, maybe you can start. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you know Annie.
5: Uh, I'm Jonelle Leggett. I'm Donzel's daughter. I've been a volunteer with ARC since it started, and I'm from Plymouth, Minnesota. And I met Annie in middle school back in, like, 2011. <laughs> long time
4: ago.
5: So we've been friends for a long time. <laughs> And Annie, tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: Hi, I'm Annie. I'm from Vietnam. I moved to Minnesota a while back, and I met Janelle in my middle school, and do to, um, to Leggett, and yeah.
1: Well, Annie, you're like another daughter to um, our family, uh, but and I'm, we're all very proud of you. But I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about why you initially joined ARC. And, and, and why you were able to put so much time volunteering. Because you did a lot, especially in our first year of existence.
4: Yeah, so I joined it after the George Floyd food shooting. And I was introduced by Janelle who told me about the organization and why it did. And I was a really, great really cause that I want to be a part of. And here I am a couple years later, yeah.
1: Awesome, thank you, Annie. And Janelle, what about you? How'd you get involved with ARC, and don't just say because my dad asked me, let's hear from your heart. What drove you to put so much time in volunteering?
5: Uh, yeah, like Annie said, I joined right after George Floyd's murder right in here in Minnesota. So it was a time when all of my friends and were having more conversations about race and racism in our country and in the state of Minnesota. and. I felt inclined to talk to them more about it and learn more how to have those conversations and do something that would make a, a greater impact on eradicating racism.
1: Awesome, Nellie. and Actually, this is Nellie's second time being on the podcast. She did it, She's looking at me like very confused. But there was an episode I did last year called When My Daughters Speak, I Listen. And what I talked about is a conversation I had with Jonelle and her younger sister Gianna Where they really opened my eyes to some things so thank you for coming on for real this time nelly i really appreciate it but you guys have both been coming to the state fair for quite a while um so i know you like you like coming here what do you see that we're doing with this cultural destinations booth that gets your attention or that makes you excited what do you think about it Nelly? let's start with you
5: um i think it's i mean very exciting that it's highlighting a bunch of culturally significant businesses that maybe wouldn't get a light shown on them. Um, And obviously my little sister Gianna was here representing her business and my aunt's business is being represented. So I'm interested to see all the different businesses here and learning more about them. And yeah, businesses I wouldn't have known of of before. So yeah.
1: Awesome, visit culturaldestinations.org to learn more about these businesses. Um, The two she mentioned, Cuddle Me Crochets, uh, is, is you can find on Etsy, and CandyGirlsKeyWest.com. Annie, what do you think about the Cultural Destinations booth?
4: Same with what Janelle said. I think it's very interesting of what different type of artists and what different type of people can like make in Minnesota. and It's very cool to like see and support what they do. Huh?
1: Awesome, Annie. I don't want to take any more of your time because I know you guys want to have fun. But Annie, maybe you can end this, and then we'll let give Jonelle a shot, too. Tell us, um, uh, why do you think the work we do at ARC is so important, and why you think we should keep going?
4: I think it's really good that we try to educate people more. I'm glad that uh, ARC is doing more, like going around different groups and communities, like talking about how to help, and all sorts of good stuff.
1: Thank you, Annie. And Jonelle. what do you think?
5: I agree, I think um, just continuing to spread the word, and like Annie said, continuing to have conversations with um, not only people you don't know, but it's more important to have conversations with people you're close with and making sure we're all supporting the right thing and eradicating racism and you know, doing what's right.
1: I don't think I could say it better than Annie and Jonelle just did. I'm so proud of both of them. Like I said, they're daughters to me. I saw Annie today for the first time in a long time. She's been a world traveler, traveling lots of countries. I had to give her a big hug. I had to give her like three hugs. So I'm very proud both of you are on. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your time. And thanks for closing out this very special episode of the Arc of Change um, with Donzo Leggett here at the Minnesota State Fair Cultural Destinations booth. We couldn't have ended it on a better note than with the two of you. Thank you.
5: Thank you for having
0: us. Thank you. Visit us at joinarcc.org to learn more about ARC. Donate to our cause and join the movement that will change the world.
1: To find the ARC of Change podcast with Donzo Leggett and learn more about the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition or ARC, please visit us at joinarc.org. You can also subscribe to The Arc of Change with Donzel Leggett on your favorite podcast hosting sites. I greatly look forward to our next episode, an opportunity to inspire you to become part of the movement that will change the world by eradicating racism once and for all. Until next time, stay safe and continue to ask yourself, am I doing enough? And remember that none of us are doing enough as long as racism and hate still exist.
0: Thanks for listening, and goodbye. The ARC of Change podcast with Donzel Leggett is brought to you by the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition. To learn more about ARC, donate to our cause, and join the coalition, visit joinarcc.org. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and share this podcast to help spread our mission to change the world by ending racism once and for all. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be inspired.